Right, hello and uh, welcome to That's Never Ten Years. Uh, I'm Aaron Dugan, I'm joined here by Michael Wood. And uh, obviously Mike, it's been a been a very poor season for, for Dunfermline. Uh, we start off with, well, with, with the big one, with, with the, the decision making in the in the summer and, and how that's led you to, to where you are now. Oh, most indeed. Um, I think everybody in the dog knew that <laughs> the appointment of Peter Grant, who was basically signed off the back of Alwa getting beat off Dunfermline uh, for Dunfermline's only away league win last season uh, because the board were impressed that he strung <laughs> his other side strung two or three passes together uh, does not make a good appointment and the fact that he apparently wowed everybody with his interview process um, did not speak or did not augur well for what was a very poor season and continued to be a poor season, probably exemplified by the fact that one of his signings, Ross Graham, who was good on loan at Cove last season in League One, um, I think he was on that loan with a League Two the season previous, uh, excelled there, uh, comes to Dunfermline, looks out of place, makes mistakes. Now obviously that's some of that him uh, of that's on him and uh, obviously his decision making there, but you've seen him now return to Dundee United in the j- January there become the young player of the season considering Dundee United have played 15 academy players it's quite remarkable the turnaround he's had and the fact that I don't feel he's basically unplayable and I think that maybe exemplifies the fact that Peter Grant obviously couldn't coach the side properly which is more probably more prominently brought in to do and he couldn't manage a team given the fact that you see some of his comments in post-match pre-match uh, even his punditry in the media like just some of the daft phrases he'd come out with, the maybe not thinking about the way that teams are going to be organised, like none of it seemed to make sense to what the, the managers and, the, and the, the fans were seeing. So how the Peter Grant could come up with comments like that uh, makes it all the more ridiculous. And quite frankly, giving any team a 13 game advantage in the Championship was never going to be the most. It was, it was too much of a mountain to climb already in October but that does not excuse the fact that John Hughes was only the, the man to bring us down and that maybe brings us on to the ne- maybe the next problem with Dunfermline is that this season just recruitment signing the same kind of archetypes of like John Hughes is just Peter Grant and with a better CV um, talks to say it's a similar game but that's just that's just all it is and I think you, the last time we talked about maybe at the start of John Hughes' reign there and many of us, like even fellow our fellow uh, friends, were never convinced that he was going to be the right man to do, to do the job. And the job was to stay in the division, and ultimately he's failed at that job. Well, it'll be the, the second time that he's failed to do it with a, with a five team, obviously, uh, taking Rafe Rovers down. He's had a bit more grease with it this time than what he did with uh, Rafe Rovers. But uh, also, that uh, that last game against Queen South in the, in the, in the league. Which was a which was a must win a team that had nothing to play for but pride and uh, you can say that he he didn't show up at the time and uh, and and uh, I think that just is quite be quite exemplary uh, explanatory of of uh, of your season under under uh, John Hughes that it seemed that every time you you had the chance to take a step forward you, you took two steps back. Obviously went into the uh, into the playoffs against uh, against Queens Park and. Um, were were kind of ground down to that to that one 0 defeat that um at home to to relegate us and I think as you it, uh, as you said about Peter Grant's post match interviews I think I think him um, he quite like, rightly said that it was it was very mirrored off of off uh, John Hughes it was the same kind of uh, same kind of excuses same kind of uh, explanations that that were just happening throughout the season without. Uh, Without any any change to, to the way that the team was playing. We just take one example of Hughes' comments post match. It's like, oh, if we had twelve players, then this would be some team. It's like you can't play with twelve players, John. So there's no point kind of uh, trying to portray that out. Or if he talks about Melafet and how he looks you in the eye and he, and he respects that kind of thing, and he that's the way he wants with these players in the team. Melafet never played for them for this season. He was on the bench a few times, but never played for them. Uh, Andy Todson. It's like, oh, I've got this great, great young player. It's like a full mentality. You get stuck in that train. Never made a bench appearance. So it's like, why Hughes putting forward all these things but I back it up with no substance? And I think that's the problem. Hughes is a lot, a lot of bluster. And people go, yeah, but he won the Scottish Cup. But it's like, yeah, he won the Scottish Cup. But if you remember the game against Celtic in the semis, 
were very fortunate with a handball decision that, that went their way. And cups are luck. You know what I mean? In a sense, anybody can win a cup. Um, you've got to do over a league season. And John Hughes, over the last few uh, campaigns he's had in charge of teams, has not proven to be a guy that can get you out of the mind, especially in this division, as you said, with yeah. the fillers. I think he's seen that with, with, uh, with Inverness that he kind of took over from a, a good thing built by, by Terry Butcher and uh, certainly, I, I mean, I, I know it's hard to, to have that kind of success with a, a team like an Inverness or, or again, a provincial team, Falkirk as well, because uh, your players get noticed and then they, they, they move off or also they lost um, by a Welsh fan, Welsh boy, went down, went down south, uh, it was on uh, Marley Watkins. Yes. Also, he, he, he was kind of the big thing at, uh, at Inverness at the time. He, he, he left... Uh, had the the big, the, kind of big Nigerian um, boy up front yeah, as well. Ferry, as, yeah. Aye, Ferry, aye. He, he moved on kind of not long after that as well. And, uh, Graham Shinney. Graham Shinney Fantastic. as well. Uh, kind of had a had a, a good team built there, but he didn't he didn't really. Uh, you wouldn't say that the players that he brought in came after uh, from uh, Everness were were any uh, were any better than the, the team that or or Ken were definitely not better than the team that, that Terry Butcher had assembled uh, uh, leading up to that. Also it's it's great that he, he went on to win that win the Scottish Cup with them. But um, looking at a a Dunfermline standpoint uh, the the decision making by the board this year has been has been abominable at times and uh, I think what I'd like to talk to you about Mike is uh, is the statements and you feel that this is the the lowest point since the Gavin Masterton era for for fan for fan feeling towards the board. Yeah, I would say so, and obviously that comes with uh, defeats and that comes with losses and that comes with relegation. Because if teams if teams are on the on the, on the up and they don't really care necessarily, or it's not as noisy about what the board's in the up to, uh, it's once defeats come your way. Like people are like we put out polls, uh, put out suggestions like well, how do you feel about joining who's joining the club. And it was semi thirty split about them players being ha- um, fans being happy, and obviously that's just a small sample size of people that follow us. But again, you can kind of generally exemplify that out to the the wider populace as well. But w- you're right; everybody buys into a thing when it's going good, or when it's a good football man. When it falls into a cliche that they can kind of get up on a guy that's well liked, and there's no doubt about it. John Hughes is a very affable uh, guy to be around. I'm sure. I'm sure he's very jovial. Uh, great, be a great after dinner speaker but that does not make um, a manager I'd rather have a do a manager who says fuck all uh, doesn't get press anything but gets points on the board that's the most important thing I, that's what we needed at the film no another guy who wants a soundbite like talk about players getting out of the car stuff like that it feels like the board got hoodwinked again when you look at John Hughes CV yes he developed Falkirk yes he developed Inverness like we just touched upon there but if you just look at his last job in the same situation as you are which that's what you should be looking at as a board. How does somebody's CV compare to somebody else's CV in the same situation that you're trying to get out of? He relegated Rafe Rovers. And now he's not done it in a bit more magnanimous uh, way than he did last time. But it still does not, doesn't take, take away from the fact that this boy's dream it was to get them from out of He didn't do that. And it's declinely got worse as well. So when when he took charge, he won his first game in charge against the air. That took them from out to six men. The, the league was so compact, like one or two points, and you're anywhere in the bottom half. But uh, since that point, since that point to the end of the season, only Rafe was and Queen of South accrued less points. Uh, Air got one more point, and the fact that every manager in the bottom half got changed as well. Somewhere early, like Stuart Taylor at the start, I think it was like two games in before Brian Rice resigned. Hughes was next in, Emery was next in, Bowling after that, then Gibson towards the end of the season. But if you look at somebody like Emery, right? Emery takes over the, the 21st of December. It's 10th in the division. Finishes seventh, two points, uh, five clear after being two points adrift. So th- there was a turnaround, and now he's possibly moving on to Hamilton. Uh, Bowen, now he, he's, he came over after um, Jim Duffy uh, at the start of January. We started off in seventh, uh, finished eighth. We still finished a point better off than when he, when he started as well. Uh, Gibson, obviously, Gibson was basically doomed. Queen of South were doomed from the, from the off, whether they were going to be. They went on a wee run to start with, but I think. People confuse a new manager bounce with, like, oh, this guy's going to be amazing. But as a new manager bounce, all it is is you're, you're turning to what you are. So, like, where if you're a one-point per game team and you've been on a, a bad run, then the next manager comes in, his four four games will probably take you up to that one point per game and kind of level off there. But there's no bounce, it's just a, a turn to the meeting. And that's what you see with Gibson. It's like, they won a few games, 
and they went on that six game losing streak. Johnson never did that. So Gibson was already gubbed, so you can take 10th place out. Dunfermline had the chance, and had chances, to drag themselves out of the, the, the shit, and it's situations where like, you're playing modern, dominating the whole game, and this is where it's kind of the recruitment comes into it, and what the board does. Hughes gets rid of Wilson. Wilson could be on the bench for like the next six months, it wouldn't matter. You gave him to Morton, who well, at that point were potentially a relegation rival. Wilson scores, then you're just a bat and you only get a point in that game. And I'm not saying that Wilson doesn't score, and that person doesn't score, but it's the fact that you've given this boy away for free to a relegation rival. Much like he did at Rafe Rovers with Lewis Vaughan and Dunbarton, and it's cost you. That's, that's potentially three points that would have dragged you out of the position. I know we talked about the Queen of South game at the end of the season. The Freire will lead 1 0 to half time. They probably have the news that Air were 2 up Air. Air were 2 up against Partick, and it didn't matter because at that point, if Air won the game, then the Freire could have won 10 0 when they mattered. They couldn't get into that position. And it all just stems back to the fact that the board have made a mess of this over and over again. And I wouldn't say just this season, it all stems back to giving Johnson that two year deal. And that's really where, where we're at at the club. It's, there's been a wee bits of peaks and troughs, but if you look at it of a more wider picture, it's kind of been on a steady decline for about four or five seasons now, and that's really the where we are at the front at the moment. Uh, Ross MacArthur came in, we're in League One. He leaves six years there, but we're still in League One, and that's that's where you try to juggle the fact that you've seen teams like Cove, uh, by Pasha now Queens Park, obviously, via Dunfermline, Pasha. Dunfermline, not saying like Dunfermline deserves to be, but Dunfermline are a club much like Falkirk, who should be able to sustain Championship football, not League One football. Like we were, the last time we seen Dunfermline in the top flight, we were uh, eighteen. We might not see them in the top flight again till we're in our thirties. You know what I mean? That's crazy for a for for a team like Dunfermline. When you see like Ross County and Vaness, Samaritan, St Johnston's teams of a similar ilk and a similar standing by passing, but Dunfermline are just floundering for years and years upon end now. You touched on uh, also Doug Emery coming into uh, into Morton, and you talk about. Okay, decision making and, and, and a team the size of Morton which is, is traditionally a smaller team than the than Dutton Fairman ha- haven't done much and more relegation for them at the start of the season definitely they've obviously made that that decision and uh, and it's, it's worked out well for them and now it looks like he's going to move on to on to Hamilton and, and potentially if, if he can keep up this momentum and this, this good work he's done as, as manager since Hamilton will be back up in the big time uh, you, you can see that and and at the start of the season, you could have said that oh, Hamilton looked like they're they kind of they're on the they're going to do what Dunfermline did, did and, and go down in League One. Um, when you look at the likes of uh, Partick Thistle uh, bringing in Ian, Ian McCall as manager, who has uh, certainly turned his career around at um, Air and then uh, has moved on to Partick Thistle and is is looks like he could take them uh, back up eventually as well if if he sticks it uh, sticks it out. Um, where where do you see Dunfermline going, especially with with the way that the board is and 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 because they've 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 decided to buy into this uh, into this continental theme and uh, and and move forward with the Germans. I mean, it's, the Germans certainly didn't didn't uh, see see Dunfermline getting relegated to League One. They they saw Dunfermline as uh, being a potential uh, Premiership side and then and then uh, uh, going and building from there. Uh, where do you see this going? I think it's very hard to bounce back immediately. Um, Ken Beef did it uh, when they got relegated. And I'm, I'm stuck with the Championship era here, so since since the playoffs to go up to the Premiership were introduced in 2013, Ken Beef bounced back. Um, I think Livingston might have bounced back. Outside of that, it's, it's not an easy league to get out of, and especially, I would say, everybody with the exception of Edinburgh City, uh, Peterhead and Clyde have got if not a shout out of the title a shout out of getting in the top four and potentially get promoted there so this is going to be a very very difficult season as we all know Dunfermline don't win against the address so you can make it's those four games it's certainly off. a stronger stronger lead than from the days that County Beef were, were bouncing back up from and uh, and especially from the time that also Dunfermline had Rangers in it and it, but uh, it's, uh, it's certainly a stronger stronger uh, uh, league than what, what it was before then yeah because when Dunfermline finished 7th in the worst season in, in my existence anyway um, I think Green and Warren won the league with 66 mm-hmm. points which is, which is very low I think the average is about 
to a dope home in this, but I think it's in the 76s, 78, 7 points to usually win a league. Um, I think that's without taking Rangers 102 points total. So, like, even that wasn't that many. I'm pretty sure Morton lost double digits that season as well uh, in terms of games. That, so, again, wasn't that many Morton's side and still for a 7 foot. But I can't quite see that. But listen Falkirk may get it right eventually may get it right eventually but they're, they're running out of uh, chances now um, Kelly we know that was probably a League 1 side and League 2 clothing I don't I, maybe if Kevin Thompson leaves that's an opportunity to, to capitalise on but again we don't we don't know that that good feeling of going up a division in Scottish football in the lower leagues usually brings rewards we've seen it with Cove uh, mostly one champions go into the playoffs the next season and then kind of come back so I, I think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park I don't, I don't, I'm not saying most Dunfermline fans believe it's going to be a walk in the park but I would say if maybe outsiders are neutral I think Dunfermline stick on for, for winning the league I don't think that's going to be the case but it has to be done right it has to be, the recruitment has to be spot on but an issue is there's, there's a lot of players under contract next season this isn't as easy as just like clearing the decks there's a lot if you want players out you've got to find them new destinations to go to and I'm not sure after this season how many players or would find a similar paycheck at other clubs in Scottish football anyway. I think that's, uh, that's part of the hassle. Um, talking about the, the board statement uh, last week, um, uh, also it's, uh, it was a lot better from, from their uh, statements at the start of the season when they were defending uh, uh, Peter Grant and uh, also the, um, MacArthur, which it was awful uh, what... what uh, what's happening with MacArthur? I'll say he's he's made poor decisions over the last couple of years, but uh, nobody nobody can as uh, part of a uh, of a volunteer board should should really go through go through what he's he went through. So, um, but on saying that, their their um, their statements were, were quite pedantic at times. Are very very. Um, did you create a the fissure? Uh, did uh, they create a fissure against it? It, it was. Kind of repaired last week. You thought with with them taking taking their their part of the blame and, and accepting that they they made wrong decisions throughout the season. Also talking in the podcast, you are quite disappointed in the in the lack of lack of information from that statement, especially seeing as everything that was announced within that had been had been planned for the off season anyway. Um, do do you do you feel it? The, the club's just not doing enough the board aren't doing enough right now to, to, to win back the fans yeah I'd say that and you're right it was a step in the right direction last week by admitting your part and fault in, in what, what has happened because ultimately it's not the fans fault as much as East End Park can be quite a, a poisonous atmosphere but it's not going your way um, but I, I think that's similar with a lot of grounds in Scotland you know what I mean I don't get everybody's always happy clapping but I, I don't understand that kind of Kind of like North Korea, like dear leader. Let's still get behind the the, the leader kind of thing. It's like you've got to. I'd I'd say you've got to earn fans' respect, and I don't think that's been done at Bodrum level. And the personal attacks to Ross MacArthur are unacceptable. But you need to take professional criticism in your, in your job if you're not doing the, the job properly. Obviously, not personal uh, abuse. But I, yeah, I just I can't see quite. Then, in a sense, the board don't have to say that Hughes is staying. Hughes has got a contract for next season, so they don't have to say. John Hughes is staying, but you'd say, I would say, but the Englewood was the one. The football departments and squad plans are currently under review. The board will keep you informed as things progress. It's like, well, the season's over. We know 40 of the 42 teams know what division they're going to be in the, in the next season. Players' contracts run out, the, well, our free agents come in 1st of June. It's like, if the plans are the underway now, I know you wouldn't maybe, wouldn't maybe expecting League One, but you had to be planning for this since the January anyway. You had, must have had like two budgets to kind of weigh up. We need to know one way or the other. Like, probably today or tomorrow, we're back in John Hughes with the clear objective that he has to get Dunfermline back to the Championship of the first game of Baskin. And then you probably have to, to be fair, you probably have to win the title. I don't think. Playing the playoffs is, is too much of an unknown. Like that, that you cannot be afforded that. You need to be aiming and gunning for the title. So I think that needs to be the next statement to come to the club uh, in the next few days because that's nine or ten days now since we've been rele- uh, relegated. Yeah, there needs to be a, a continuation of like we fucked this up. What's the next step? This is going to be the next step. This is how. Now obviously don't lay your, lay, lay your plans. This is how we're going to do recruitment. This is how we're going to do this and that. But it's good to see that maybe. 
the, the, the chairman that's coming in place, David Cook, who's got past of working with teams like uh, Nottingham Forest, Man City, I don't feel if I know that that matters, but it's kind of easier if you're coming to a club that you know you know what the kind of fan base is if you're attuned to that. Um, he's obviously coming with a, a wealth of background. He's going to be CEO, uh, CEO and chairman, so it'll be interesting how he, he develops that. But I think he's got more of the commercial side. Be a lot of contacts like Ben safe. If we can blend that with, I, I still don't see what this is. Probably the, the the German investment coming in. I still don't see really what they're bringing to the table. They always say Thomas Megos involved in the care. Kind of, talking to the manager, lazy with the manager, but we're not seeing any scouting decisions or like maybe his scouting network, you think, oh, that's a Thomas Megal player coming. All these players are kind of like players that we know in the Scottish League system. So I'd like to maybe see you explain what the Germans are actually bringing to the table rather than this kind of investment in finance. I think hey, okay, most of the supporters would have kind of assumed that the, that the German investors were, were going to have a kind of farm system in, in place where, where you're, you're bringing it up Kind of unknown German players and and getting them a fit in within the the Dunfermline system and but this is the the first full season that they, they had. Okay, was it last yeah, last this season? Is, this is the first full season. Yeah. And, and and also looking from the outside in, I don't oversee what's what's been brought to the table and I think I'd be uncomfortable if if we were to say that you had a, a let's say a Thomas Magel talking to the manager without without really a a scope of what's happening within the within the squad. As you said, the players that you sign are, are kinda of part of this uh, merry go round of players that happens as we as we mentioned in the in the, the kind of week podcast earlier. Um do you do you think that says not that the not that the club's been hoodwinked, but do you think maybe it's been a bit of a mistake to, to, to make that much of a a change from from the vision that that happened a decade ago, so kind of soon into into a different era when obviously it wasn't. Oh, it, though you, you couldn't have said that it was going right for Dunfermline in the last few years, but it wasn't it, it wasn't going wrong yeah. either. They were just kind of stuck, really. Yeah. I think that's you're right there. The fact that the ownership, I don't think I don't think the ownership has brought any, any instability or it's caused any great divisions within the fan base. I think everybody's kind of like, oh, John Investment, that's great, but it's like, I guess kind of, you've got to look at the, the subtext below it. You've got to kind of realise like, what are these guys actually bringing to, work, to the table? It's like a great John Investment, fantastic. Uh, bumping beers at them filling. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that kind of thing. It's like, you've got to kind of see what's, what's underneath the kind of headline. And I like, like we're not, right, new training, new training complex. That's great, fantastic. But in League One, it's like, uh, it, it, was, uh, it doesn't really mean much unless you're unless you're going to be in in the Premiership and uh, it's in the, pre- the Premier League and uh, no Premiership Premiership yeah, and uh, so you uh, you do feel like uh, it's, it's all very well being League One there eh, but can you de- you don't want to be the, the team with the kind like the, the shiny the shiny by can the shiny stuff but can you get a League League One player. Yeah, it's like if you, if you if you've got jobbers and but they're playing on a, a nice grass pitch, it's like well they're still jobbers. Nah. Like you're not you're not really you're not really bringing people on. I think they bring them back in the academy is a good idea for the personally, maybe not for Fife as a wider context, but having your own in house kind of uh, academy facility, I can understand that for a team the size of Dunfermline, of course, uh, works what could work better. Dunfermline have have had a bit of a especially over since since the administration have had a had a bit of a reputation of of, of having these good young players that. Maybe haven't done taken that next step, and potentially that that is because they're, they're having to be plucked from the Fife League. So they're yes, they're they're, they're exciting players, or they can, but they're not living within that 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 structure. That that this is how Dunfermline want to uh, want you to play. This is Dunfermline's end game, and this is this is how how our culture is going to be. And I think that 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 can be seen seen in a lot of players. Obviously, Calum Smith has uh, dropped into Airdrie now, and uh, 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 done very well last season with take, them. Take him back, yeah. Uh, but you do feel why why aren't why aren't players coming in? They don't feel like young players that came are, are getting lighted for for a couple of seasons and then just dropping away. Yeah, well, like Thomas Coach, for example, goes into Dundee United, a team that was. Defensively, they were last season, but they they stabilised themselves in the Premiership. This season, up to fourth now. Fourth, fifth, and sixth, I think, is the worst points total in Premiership history. 
but nonetheless you still finish fourth. You've still got a European football. And he's done that with 15 academy graduates. So he's done it with a core of the players that were in last season, like your Nicky Clarks, your Mark McNulty's, Benji Seacrest, etc. But he's, in that, he's put a blend of like, the young academy players. And the best way, I've, I was reading a book, it was Soconomics. The best, the best and easiest way, and this is just like in business as well, if you want to improve immediately, or if you want to replace an outgoing individual, the best way to do it with internal, internal, internal integration. So the next man up kind of philosophy. If you, baseball, you've got a farm system. You can plug a play guy right into the system rather than getting a guy from a different place, try to come in, get to know his teammates immediately in pre-season. If you've got a young player who can come up and step up into that position, he'll know the players, he's been around them, obviously he's maybe not the most vocal of individuals, but he'll slowly integrate himself with the team and he knows the way the manager wants him to play. He's picked on his merits. I don't know, understand why more teams don't push the young players. Right, they might not be good immediately, but they're not necessarily any worse than what you're going to bring in. You look at Dunfermline, who they brought in this season, just sorry, just in the January. Right, Neil Alexander was brought in as a goalkeeping coach to replace Owen for Williams, who was leaving. Uh, Alexander had to uh, sit on the bench for a few games, uh, played the Rangers legend game uh, instead of going up to Inverness, which was a bit of a fury, which was made out of the fact that Dunfermline won the winning games. Like, who, who the cares? Did you want a 44-year-old fucking playing in that game? Uh, Jacob's uh, star check from Leicester City uh, kind of grew into the role. Uh, probably the best goalkeeper that I've had all season. Like, fair enough. Cole Dawson comes in with F.A. Ambrose. Those two played the most games at centre-back. I think they've had 10 different centre-back pairings in the league after 38 games, including the playoffs. Uh, they were one of the better ones. So you can't argue too much there. But F.A. Ambrose, again, gets sent off in the in the playoff final. So he cost you, it potentially cost you. I'm not sure if Ambrose was there or not. I say money doesn't score in the last minute, but it's something that doesn't... It's not a positive to get a man sent off, of course. Joe Chalmers, pay a fee for him to get out of United. Fans haven't really taken to him at all. Um, and the Southern Pine Wolverhill that uh, that uh, United fans were, were amazed that, that he's paid, paid that fee for him because he, he wasn't well thought of at Air United. I can understand. I, can, I think he's got his attributes, but I think he's you've got to play him in a very limited kind of, kind of way. Polith comes in on loan from Kilmarnock. I thought that that's a player that I've loved for many years, but I've understand that on the work side, work rate side of things, on the defensive side of things, he's not going to give you everything you've got. But you can over, you can compensate that with the players around him because he's a playmaking ability. Uh, Bobby Kamara came from Leeds United, one of his sub appearances. Uh, looked at looked at Spark when he came off the bench, but no end product. Uh, Stephen Wallace, I think he played in every game uh, since his arrival. I think it was eighteen plus games. Uh, it was all right, but again. That's a sign of maybe like three years ago, for example. Uh, the players that went out, Fraser Currid, again, another one of Peter Grant's, plucked him from here, Allah, several multi bonus United tier, but I believe a sixth or seventh tier, released him in January. What was Allah about? Connolly, he went back to Dundonade and then he went to Dundalk to be closer to his recently bereaved mother. Uh, so you can understand that. Dunfermline are never going to get him. He was for a for as much as maybe adding the rate as a player, he brought, definitely brought us the ability to the side. Gasputis. Uh, now, the Gasputis didn't play because John Hughes didn't want to have two right footed centre backs. Then, Frank St. Ambrose, who's a right footed centre back, to play with Dawson, who's a right footed centre back. So, that, again, it's another John Hughesism. It doesn't quite add up and quite make sense. He goes back to Lithuania. I would actually say he's probably the best defender that we've had the last season. Wilson, we've talked, goes to the Green Martin, Kai Kennedy. Flat to deceive, Craig Wine goes on loan to Arbroath. He's the last Dunfermline player to score in the Scottish Cup tie. He did it for Arbroath against Hibs. Dunfermline have been scoring in the Scottish Cup tie since they beat Queen's Park five years ago. So there's, there's some. Uh, Kyle McDonald goes to AJ as well. Um, so there's been some strange happenings and goings on in terms of the the recruitment side. And yeah, I just, I just, I just, I just kind of worry that John Hughes isn't the man to kind of resolve this. Since the transfer window closed, no team had less points than Dunfermline. So it shows you that Hughes had his window to bring in his players and they couldn't close up a gap to here. So that does not fill you with confidence that Hughes started off great and it kind of, it's tailed off towards the end of the season. It doesn't fill you all confidence in the fact that Queen's Park are the fourth best team in League One dumped you the first time of asking at your home ground as well. But it's usually a fortress. And they were very um, they were a very routine side Queen's Park last year. Obviously uh, brought in uh, Laurie Ellis at the start. Uh, he didn't, didn't didn't work out for them. They got rid of them, brought in Owen Coyle, and um, 
though, though on, uh, Owen Coyle improved them, you couldn't say that they were. They looked like a promotion side, and uh, I think I think that 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 just says it all about about Hughes and 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 and, and Dunfermline's kind of season is that they that a game that must have been won against Queen and South, even even if kind of it didn't matter anyway because of. Um, because of Aerie Knight's result, but it still fills your confidence with that because that's the only game that they've lost since Shoes took over, where a crowd was in East End Park. Uh, they lost three to both on Boxing Day, but there was no crowd. So, as we've seen in the Premier League as well, kind of home advantage went out of the window last season. I think more teams in the Premier League went away from home than at home down in England because of the no fans, it doesn't give you that advantage with the referee, etc. So you st- in a sense you still had personal pride to play for whereas Queen's Park probably said look at that if Owen Coyle and John Park were smart they go look at that team already relegated have gone to Eastern Park and beat them 3-1 you guys can do it as well and probably instilled that belief in them whether it's bullshit or not it's certainly a positive that you can build a kind of dressing room talk around um, I think it's kind of fitting that John Park was in the, <laughs> the, the dugout for Queen's Park yeah, Peter Grant was in the stand watching his son players Dunfermline got relegated two, the two worst managers that Dunfermline had this century um, playing their part in there and Dunfermline's demise which was quite incredible if uh, if Hughes was to was to go nah it says what what would you like to see uh, coming in uh, who, sorry who, who would you like to see coming in to, to, to replace him I mean it's always easy saying a name like I would like this guy in. and I, what I'd want is more of a, a kind of type I'd, I'd suppose someday that has maybe experience working with youth players, working on a budget, um, has the kind of CV behind them that can do the position. I don't think John Hughes has ever managed in League One. I'm not saying like the, league, the leagues aren't tantamentally different, but what I'm saying is somebody who's been there and seen the situation before is more likely to be able to get you the situation than somebody who's not. Um, I think Robbie said Ian Murray, and I'm not against the Ian Murray shout, but there's a guy who finished 21 points above Queen's Park this season, was leading at home in the tie uh, on Sunday and never go they never go over the line. And like he again he's not that he's not done that thing of getting the airdrop up and I'm not saying it's not been difficult with the fact that League One's been so competitive. It's like if there was ever a chance Airdrie were as as good a team as Cove this season, they were just unfortunate that the, that the points tie didn't match up and end. But that would I mean that was Airdrie's chance there. But and if he Murray's not done it there it's like can I come to Dunfermline where his last full time club sent in he made a total mess of it by getting involved with the fans and uh, speaking, out, speaking out of turn and I'm not necessarily saying what he said was wrong but obviously he's like, if you say that there's no way back with you with the fans and you can't run them back over so like and as I said previous we know what East End Park can be hostile uh, at the worst of times never mind at the best of times so it's like is, that, is he going to make that mistake again once it starts to turn and so I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying I'm dead set against that kind of name. But if you could prize Petrie out of it, because Petrie's shown that he, he can get a team out of maybe the the lowest that they can go, which was the only team that's the only club now that survived being in the, the League Two playoffs. And I think it's three successive top four finishes for Montrose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, after getting promoted, the Montrose are not a big club in, in even uh, mm. Scottish historical sense. If you can prize him. If you can find the uh, find the reward in uh, leaving his job outside of football to come to Ashton Freeland, of course he played over three hundred games for us uh, back in the day. I think that's maybe a place you can go because it's a guy who knows how to get out of rock bottom situations and get a club motoring around and go again. So I'd, I'd probably lean towards Petrie. I think uh, a lot. Well, as you said about the Kenny Ellis, he's 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 full time job as well. It's it's hard to it's hard to prize, um, and it's especially hard these days because because clubs the size of uh, Dunfermline don't have the don't have the the financial backing anymore as what they once done before. Um, I'd say it's hard as well for uh, and and risky with Dunfermline to go for a, a part time manager that hasn't hasn't tried it at the full time level yet, especially if he's are wanting it. Came first, came first bounce. Is that because Peter Grant was such a disaster? <laughs> no, no, because Peter Grant was a, such a disaster. But I think you, you look at you look at Falkirk. It's, uh, they're, they're on the probably their last chance to win now uh, to, to to get a league one. That you feel that Dunfermline have got that potential there to to make a wrong decision and and to to wind up in that kind of 
that that kind of void that Falkirk kind of finds themselves in, and you feel that if Falkirk don't do it this season, or at least get into the playoffs this season, especially with the likes of um, Kelty, Kelty being there, they're going to be up there now, and that's as if uh, Bonnerig take take uh, League Two by some, they, can they, there's a potential that they're up there as well. It gets harder and harder for um, for teams the size of Dunfermline and Falkirk. To, to keep on making bad decisions with, with these teams coming up now. Yeah, and I don't really know necessarily. So that, uh, that kind of made you between a rock and a hard place. Like, do you stick with Hughes because he's got that experience as a manager with probably over 500 games uh, at senior level, uh, been around the place, done a, done a few jobs. Um, the issue is that like, the, the kind of guys in his kind of immediate kind of in a circle like John John Collinsman, Brian Rice, these were guys that were hanging around the kind of uh, the training ground once um Rice was resigned from Hamlin and John Collins because they rides bikes with him. Yeah, I mean Collins who's got a very high opinion of himself and like it's always good to have self confidence, but him having a high opinion of himself and he's having a high opinion of himself, like that's you need that young and young kind of thing. Yeah. So like where, where's that where's that kind of lean to? And um like I, like I just, I just don't, don't really know how to kind of formulate it in a sense because like if, if we keep a huge and it goes wrong and then the dressing's already are kind of low ebb I'm not sure who you come in to kind of lift that kind of place because you've had the kind of manager who talks shit and nobody buys it and then you've had the happy clapper who wants to be pally pally with other players it's like I don't necessarily where the where the next kind of manager goes in to try and get a tune out of these players and keep them on side this. You know what I mean? Like it would be something like a Derek McInnes who's obviously never going to take the job quite because it's so far beneath him now. Um, so yeah, really struggling to figure out kind of where Dunfermline do turn to and want to turn to. to. And I don't know if it is better just sticking with Hughes and seeing if it, you get that bounce. Like yeah, at the end of the season, you just shake hands and... I named that race. I thought of this morning that on a bit of a low ebb in his career, maybe the right team to come at Jack Ross. Also come, keep coming to Hibs. Also, Hibs are a massive club, and a, a, a lot, kind of a lot more, uh, and there's a lot of teams be, be, between Hibs and and Dunfermline. But you look at he done really well with Saint Mirren, that's he's also got his move to Sunderland. He done well with Sunderland. Also, it was well highlighted how how he, he didn't really get the backing from the board at that time, and yeah, especially off the I don't say sound well, Greg, and the, and they do, but uh, goes to Hibs and. It's kind of like a a dark squid in the end, wasn't it? He, he felt that he, he just just lost, kind of, he, he just wasn't able to do anything there in the end, and and probably had Hibs at the lowest since um, since uh, Lennon was in charge at uh, charge at Hibs. You feel that this could be one of those ones that comes in. It's still a a, a good size of club. He'll, he'll get a. Not a big wage you'd, you'd expect now, but a kind of it's a decent size of, of club and a decent wage that 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 could uh, rebuild his if he gets the backing as well. It's a great one to rebuild his reputation. Yeah, I suppose this, this is going to become a hypocrite because mm. Jack Ross does talk such a good game, but I think he could back up with some substance. Um, he got Hibs to a League Cup final and then got sacked. Bad say that says more about Hibs and the kind of goings on behind the scenes. I there. think aye, Hibs have got a bit of a a kind of big club mentality without really having the well, a, a bit like Dunfermline I guess without really having the the the, the capital back it really and mm. uh, I think I think yeah, I think he shouldn't have been sacked off of Hibs but he's probably on his lowest end now of his career and unless unless say Aberdeen were to to, to get rid of Jim Goodwin who I don't think is getting it right with Aberdeen Says uh, unless unless like the kind of an Aberdeen who are on their, their lowest step since uh, since the Craig Brown era. Says I don't think I don't think there's a maybe I don't think I don't think there's there's really a team there that's probably more open to um, taking from say League One and then and then having a really good stab at also won won the championship with Saint Mirren. Says he's probably got a. A manager there that could get Dunfermline at 
up to the, the Premiership if, if, if you're to get him to buy into it. Well, listen, don't need to say I'm here on Jack Ross. I think my opinion on Jack Ross is much higher than uh, many other individuals. Like, I agree, shouldn't been, I don't think he should be been sacked at Hibs. I don't think he should be been sacked at Sunderland. Did a great job with, with the mid um, He was understudied to uh, Ian Murray, Ian at, Murray the at the barn. But the, there was always the, the, the rumours that it was him that was doing the, the heavy lifting there. So, like, everywhere he's gone, I'd say the guy following him has done a, a poorer job um, because Sunderland after him is Lee Johnston maybe yeah and it fell, fell out, out of the playoffs and the Hibs obviously Sean Mowry was a bit of a disaster yeah. but I'm not necessarily sure how much of that's actually on Mowry himself no, I think he... behind the scenes kind of issues St Mirren was Alan Stubbs Alan Stubbs uh, Obviously, it was a just a disaster of an appointment from from them, and you you can't really say that Saint Marin have got it right though in in the Premiership. Obviously, the their chairman came out and said that he, he thought they would be a kind of a Champions League team in, in uh, five years. Wasn't it? What was his name? Tony Fitzpatrick. Yeah, when they went up, it's like uh, be top top four or yeah. something. Like that. And for for a half this season, uh, because of how poor every team was in the division. Uh, similar in worth for, for uh, a half time once this season so he wasn't entirely wrong but yeah I think the Tony Fitzpatrick much to his great guy but very very optimistic about the uh, hometown club and I think that though though obviously Jim Goodwin done alright with him he, he, he failed in he failed in the in the the um, the the, well, the, the the end game that they wanted was to was to get them uh, top six for the first first time in their in, but, and to be fair they would have got it if it wasn't for uh, a going in the last minute yeah. either um, much like much like Livingston were done against Motherwell this season from the last minute header from yeah. finishing top six and Motherwell are ter- a terrible football team this year uh, but you look at Stephen Robinson who's just taken over okay he's only he's only went for a long period of time is against a Dundee side managed by Mark McGee for fuck's sake yeah. so yeah like Jack Ross has been the best manager that a club has had for a number of years and a number of different appointments. So if you could persuade him and sell him on like a project, obviously former Dunfermline player in the sense that he signed for Dunfermline but had to retire due to his uh, troublesome knee injury. Um, listen, you don't have to sell me on Jaguars. I'd, I'd sign him up immediately. He'd be the first name on my list if he was obtainable. It's just if he's willing to, if he's willing to drop that ball in his in his career. Um, I think that's maybe the, the only issue that's maybe perturbing the, the club from actually going out and maybe get them ahead of a John Hughes because I know the, the football scene sometimes is maybe too pragmatic, too defensive, but yeah, sometimes that's what we need. Uh, yeah, well, he's a pragmatic manager, but how many times uh, did Dunfermline need to be defensive and 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 made a made a hash of it? How many times? I've, I said it came with Morris Ross at Cowan B. Fate, it made us disciplined. It was a shame that he couldn't get it going uh, get on the attacking end, but he uh, did make us hard to beat up until one already. And um, you got to feel that that you got to start somewhere. And and if Dunfermline can can stop conceding stupid goals and and get Sam going as a as a full time team and, and they'll be the biggest full time team in League One. Yeah. That easy. That and again that no can Kelty I think but Kelty aren't going to be able to to. Though they've got a back, and I don't think Kelty, Kelty are on the same kind of financial footing. It might be similar, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not. Okay, I don't. I, I think you're probably easier to get somebody to buy into a Dunfermline yeah. than than a Kelty this time. I think uh, if Ken Thompson leaves to go to Rafe Rovers, which I think partially for him would be a mistake because I see Rafe Rovers. Yeah, well, start the slide, I think. I can see their struggle starting next season. John McGlynn at Falkirk, you know what I mean? He might get a team playing the right kind of way. Um, but again, is that going to take time? Is that is there too much kind of negative kind of vibes around Falkirk to really get people going in the right direction? You still got to be seen. I think that you've got to weigh up two things when it comes to football, and one's tangible, one's not tangible. It's the money aspect and really just the confidence in that our side playing well and, and being together. So obviously the Kelly Kelly's kind of confidence of coming up through the leagues might prepare them up up towards a, a championship spot, whereas Dunfermline's finances and be able to be the biggest uh, conveyor of talent in that division might also put them there but it's just the, how much of, like does the bad vibes kind of offset that and I think that's really maybe why people have question marks over a Falkirk who have just 
for whatever reason, over many years, just struggled in League One. And almost to Harley as well. The yeah. fact that Harley went up yeah. and Falkirk were just having a fucking shit season, it was all the more tremendous. I think that just shows you came with with, uh, with Falkirk. It's such a it's such a similar case to how Dunfermline are, are starting to go a bit now with with came poor decision making from the board um, and a, and a, and creating that fissure also they had that that AGM this year that that was was that's, that's no, that's box question. office that says and I think it, I mean I I find it funny because also Falkirk's uh, a community with them isn't it it's, it's, it's a fan, so, fan yeah. group that's, that's joined so I think I think like the boards of Dunfermline and Falkirk have, have kind of got got this idea that because they're fans you, you have to back them and they kind of it says ah but we're fans you, you can't you can't play a question or decision making and I mean all the boy asked was came, it, was a, it was a brilliant brilliant point that the boy made and, uh, just to be like well that's not a question that was just, uh, just no answer to him whatsoever I think I think it's it's a dangerous time for them, Fairman, especially with the teams that are, are coming up at the back of them. So you say also Cove, Cove are now into into the championship, and despite them being a horrible by sale, so you say I can't see them going down. They might they might struggle a bit, and but I, I can't see them. I can't see them doing like a like a cow beef or a, a Dumbarton and and kind of bouncing yo-yo wise. I, I can see them establishing themselves. Yeah. So that's another team that that's that's taken up a number, and they've got the came with, with them being in the south of Aberdeen that says that Aberdeen struggling as well. It's, it's going to be easy for them to, to attract fans. Yeah, I think uh, obviously Jamie, who's our uh, Jersey-based wire pal, who's an Aberdeen, but well, it was Aberdeen season ticket. Obviously, it's a bit harder than to, to commute for him. Um, I think he said himself that if Aberdeen uh, do not go well then you'll see boys kind of drift to Cove and I said they'd rather go to Aberdeen because obviously it was that one club kind of city for, for all those years and like you said go uh, if you're kind of sick of it up and watching the kind of dour shite on a pedodry then going to Cove's kind of easy that lifts the attendance mm-hmm. you've seen that after dinner circuit attract names through to it for yeah. example so there's obviously some sort of money swaying around yeah, that's it. I know they have aspirations of going full time. They're maybe a year ahead of schedule or a couple of years ahead of schedule from where they were. But yet, Cove are not just a kind of happy go lucky story. They are a, a well financed, uh, backed outfit looking to solidify themselves in the Championship. And if they can go further, then fantastic. So you are right. The Championship's possibly going to become more solidified with teams who have full time aspirations and are starting to build a fan base, much like Queen's Park. Hope to do when they move into Leicester Hamden. Now the stadium's not going to be massive. There's only going to be one thousand seven hundred odd people, but Queens Park will build the fan base if they're successful in the park, and that's where you see you see people turning in the droves when a team's success, mostly when a team's successful. Like the are probably tracked if the are saying going to one in March April in a title fight, you'll see the tendencies of five six thousand people. Oh, that's it. It's, it's, it's easy. It's easy to show up. It's easy to keep fans when you're doing well, and I think. It's a dangerous time in Scottish football because of that, because you've got so many teams that are, are coming from the pyramid system and doing well. And okay, I said it on the Ken Beef podcast. It's hard for Ken Beef to now because you've got Kelty a mile up the road. That and Ken, uh, uh, I think it's uh, I think it was six pound for a, for a, a, a an under twelve ticket to a game, and they're seeing the likes of Joe Cardo, uh, Jamie Bajonis. That says all oh, these are uh, Nathan Austin. These attacking players, and um, Ken. Who can what would you rather go see? Kelty Hearts beat Albion over four 0 or or Ken Beef getting beat one 0 off of uh, off of Elgin, and it's I think it's you might see that now with Dunfermline because it's still not a, a far a far place to go, and it's it's one of those what can why go see Dunfermline playing in a half empty stadium that against like a, a Stennis Muir or a, a Clyde and 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 getting beat one 0 and and and. Kind of struggling to stay within the playoff picture, or wait, or, or go to a, a Kelly Hearts that mm-hmm. can right down by the you can get right down back to the pitch. And that says it's can got a, a can a, a, a good attendance about one thousand five hundred, but it feels like more because it's a smaller stadium, and uh, and maybe more appreciated there as yeah, well. Yeah, a bit more appreciated there as well. It's a, it's also a, a small community. Uh, Kelly, it's uh, quite 
tighten it, but they they, they, they have their back and they're, they're, it's it's local people that put money into the club and that says they, they they want to they want to attract fans. It's not this kind of loyalty based kind of fear that that Dunfermline kind of portrayed for the last couple of seasons. Do you think, um, obviously, kind of coming towards the end of the show here now, but do you kind of think going forward that with the cost of living obviously increasing, tight strings been, uh, purse strings obviously been tighter now. Do you think fans are going to start demanding maybe more for their money? Not in terms of just like the product on the field, but you go to the park, right? You go in through the turnstile, you take your seat, you might see Sammy and Tammy before the game. Half time, you might see some kids running in the park, shooting, shooting penalties. All that for tw- all that for twenty quid every game, every season. Outside of like going there to watch the football. What's driving you there to watch stadiums? And this is not just Dunfermline I'm picking on here. I think what's, ta- what's taking you there to? Yeah, it's, it's, I think I think that's that's the issue, and especially when when your team's not doing well. Now it's it's easy to go. Okay, I, I've I've seen it. That's it's a. I, I live ten minutes away from Central Park. That's it's, it's hard enough to drag yourself there when when we fought relegation for the last five years. That's it's, it's hard enough to drag yourself ten minutes. You get a lot of Dunfermline fans that are. Uh, are out with the Dunfermline. Says it's hard enough to drag. Again, Dunfermline's a bigger place. It's, it's some places it's a twenty minute walk, a half hour walk to the stadium. It's harder and harder. That no say if you're you're sat there at half time for for fifteen minutes by watching nothing but came with, with a bit of drab music on and as you say just a, a couple of kids kicking penalties. I think football itself needs to needs to improve the kind of fan base and that. She's also. Um, I go to can I go to the ice hockey a lot and, and it's a better day out than the football itself. It's also it's a bit longer than the football, twenty minutes between each each period and and the five flyers have struggled this year because it's been such a poor product on the ice. But you do feel that you, can you've got you've got you can go get a, a pint can at their at their bar. I'm not saying that can you should should get why steaming at the football, but I, I still find it, it like. As I said, I went up to Bora Briggs. This, uh, they, they open up the back back entrance to the bar, so you're able to get a pint, you're able to watch the, the scores, go down and see playing Fargal. You can go to the concourse, get a beer, and watch watch Sky Sports on 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 uh, tellies through through that. So you're able to to see something a bit different. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, says can tellies and beers that they be all and end all, but at least it's something than than sat and. In December, huddled, huddled up, kind of in your jacket, trying to keep yourself warm. Eh? That, that's it. It's like the. I think Robbie said himself, like, he missed three games this season. So it ended up being cost defective towards him by a season ticket. So, like, even for like, boys who are like, as loyal as Robbie is to, to the cause here, where's the, where's the kind of loyalty back from? It's like, there doesn't seem to be much in terms of, like, buy a season ticket. Great. What I get? If I miss a couple of games, then I'm kind of uh, fucked. Well, I mind mean, I mean, being a came when you used to get season ticket uh, game uh, season tickets and you got came four games free mm. and that and, and it's it's so sad. I mean, mean, years and years ago you used to get your cup games with a season ticket as well. Oh, in fact, that's going back to nothing. Yeah. The board made an arse of this season, charging championship prices for a, effectively League One fixture yeah. at Queen's Park, and they rode they rode back on it they, and by kind of saying, "Oh, I was like that was the price for Dundee United." It was like, "Aye, but we maybe go for the Premiership that time." Yeah. It's like we won't, we won't fight for our survival. That's it. Aye, it's, it's, it seems to and, it, and it's not digging them fell in, in, in itself, but it's just like they want to bleed you for every penny. Yeah. and I think the firm one have been quite bad for it since in the last couple of years. And that's just so came getting the getting the tin out any time and and kind of it says also you missed it. Came the sponsorship. They blame the fans for it because because of the. The the kind of the attitude of the fans and says oh you you're scaring off potential investors and that with 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 your you're shouting and screaming. I says I, I think boards need to need to realise that because your your typical chairman has got a, a well paid job. Now it says also Ross McCaffrey. I'm not entirely sure what he does, but you care. You see that he's can he's he's driving a, a kind of a, a, a nice car. He's he's also got a nice house. That says he's well paid. It's easier for him to to put a couple of quid in here and there than say your than say yourself or 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 can or or your your average family with two two kids that they're, they're trying to 
uh, put through school, can living prices have went up, can drastically over the last two years. Says um, it's it's only going to get tighter. Says teams and a, a, a point to get with this. Can six pound a ticket to get to for an under twelve? Says I would. Says personally, I can I'm a county supporter. And that says I, I bleed I bleed by blue and that. But your 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 issue is your um is your kind of on the cusp fans that can will go to football during during the kind of good times. Says they're not going to pay. Twenty-two pound to see Dunfermline get get beat off a Air, Air United one 0 and take their, their kids for is it about fifteen pound for a for a, a kids ticket out Dunfermline? It's not cheap. So it's, it's an expensive day. You're talking kind of hundred pound to to to, to kind of, say seventy pound just getting into the game, and that's that's before you you add on can dinners, can a couple of pints before the game, can a coffee afterwards, and that says yeah, can a a bride at half time. Says it's not an expensive day out, and you see it with with teams like uh, with Celtic that they're trying to they're trying to make it the right way, and I think teams like Falkirk, Dunfermline, Reef Rovers that are kind of on the foot part of Thistle that have that potential to fall away need to need to buy smell the roses a bit, and that's especially the last few seasons as well. I remember lockdown, couldn't go to the games for the whole season. And uh, the the all the boards, and this is the country wide, they were saying like, oh, we need the fans, we want the Kickstarters, what's this, and this and that. Once the fans are allowed back in, it's like, well, what kind of what did we get in return for supporting our club through the hard times? And it it's almost seen as this like abusive relationship. It's like you, if you don't support us, then we're away. It's like we'll, we'll be gone. It's like you can't do anything about it. Teams are the community, the hubs are communities. They need to set themselves as hubs of communities. Whether they go up divisions or down divisions is kind of by the by. There needs to be more done with integrating a community into the, into the football team, getting buy in from the support, and that's not bleeding them for every penny dry. It needs to be more done for getting young. You, you need to get young people into the football because if it doesn't, if you don't do it for the next generation, then they won't be here when we're all gone. You know what I mean? It needs to be done. It needs to be done in a way like let's make this a fan experience where you can enjoy yourself rather than it's just 90 minutes you're in you're out and you do that 20 times a season like, what's the point there needs to be something to drive you other than the football there needs to be more done in terms of making an experience where people go I want to come back here not I feel an obligation to come back here I think I think Scottish sport and, and, and particularly football and I think this is across across the, the board of football like I think English football is the same Says we need to start learning of kind like the American sports. Obviously, kind of half half time basketball was in at the quarters of basketball. They, they, they have competitions like says why no can mind they used to have the the crossbar challenge. It can be can I laugh? But uh, sorry, I'm firmly says but have have something for it. That says can what they were they get like a tenner or something. They get the buy it. Says give them a give them a shot. Give them a kind of scarf and a mug or something. So that says get people involved that way. Competitions for for how much it is to produce kind of a shirt or or a mug or a scarf. Get can get can get things going that way. Get 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 fans excited then. That says rather than just can give us two pound for a, a 50-50 ticket and hope hope he's win. Uh, but and, and that's that's nothing. You look how much good like the northwest section does. Shouting singing. Uh, backing their team for nine minutes throughout the whole game, uh, tifo displays, everything. They're like, they're totally in, ingrained in the whole kind of vibe of Dunfermline, and they've brought back a, an energy that kind of bleeds around the stadium there. Because we've known in the past when you sit in like the or something like that, it's not the most vociferous of vocal of singing and that. But the the northwest kind of g up and they kind of get that reaction now. And what I think is kind of there needs to be more done for like rewarding those most loyal supporters who will follow teams away down to Dumfries, away up to the north of uh, Scotland. There needs to be more done for those, those kind of supporters. Like, we see what you're doing, we can accept you. We need to kind of get that kind of vibe right back into the stadium. And I just, then that's where the board needs to make the next step towards the fans. There needs to be kind of more, how can we help you help us kind of vibe. And I think that's where Scottish football in the main is kind of lacking to a, to a big extent yeah I think that's I think I'm done I think yeah, I'm that done. you I'm done, done. done. <laughs> 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 anything you want to chime in on 
Scottish football in the main. Or? No, I'm quite happy in that. She's also here yeah, onwards and upwards in, into the new season. Hope, uh, hope Dunfermline also regroup. You don't want to see your kind of teams from India uh, struggling. Uh, looking forward to Lowlands next season. So I'm different. Um, that just see see if we if we can all re- regroup and and can bring back the good times. Yeah, yeah hopefully it's a good team, time for Scottish uh, Fife football. I mean, hopefully can be get back up. East Fife start flying again. Um, fuck Ray Rovers, but hopefully Dunfermline Dunfermline are on the rise again. Um, so we'll, we'll leave you with that message.